Hi, this is Tony Campolo, and the name of the show is From Across the Pond. We call it Across the Pond because uh, Shay Claiborne, who is not with me today, but Shay Claiborne, who is usually with me, and I put this show together at, at Cabrini University, which is across the road from Eastern University. Eastern University is an evangelical school where both Shade and I have studied and where I taught for close to 50 years. So uh, the school is very dear and dear to my heart. Uh, it's a good place. And if you're looking for a, an evangelical school that will uh, enhance the faith of uh, young people, Easter's the place to attend. Uh, be sure to give us careful consideration. Check us out on your, uh, on your computer and find out what kind of great place it is. I'm here every week at this time, and we talk about issues which we think are relevant to the church of today. Uh, the church of today, uh, I'm concerned about it, as I'm sure all of our listeners are, because two things are happening. Number one is uh, mainline denominations are on the decline. Uh, uh, that's not surprising. I mean, it's, uh, it's noted uh, that uh, we are hemorrhaging our members uh, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterians, uh, the, uh, the mainline churches are losing members. Now, the good news is <coughs> evangelical churches and Pentecostal churches are growing in number. Now, let me just say, uh, most of the growth in Christianity these days is in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, in Africa, in Latin America. Uh, the shift has been dramatic. Just 50 years ago, the center of evangelical Christianity was in the north. Uh, it was in places like northern Europe, but especially in North America. That's no longer the case. Evangelicals are in trouble in these countries. When we look at Africa, please note this. There's been tremendous growth in Africa, and not just in the evangelical community. Let's talk about the Anglican community in in Africa. The Anglican community in Africa has grown. Are you ready for this incredible figure? In the last 25 years, it has grown 650%. I mean, that is huge. And uh, the impact is great. Consequently, attention has shifted in Christianity from the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere. You say, are there any concerns that you have about that? Well, Yes, I do have some concerns. The Southern Hemisphere tends to have a much more conservative position on both biblical understanding and in terms of uh, political and social issues. Take a case in point. Just a week or so ago, uh, the Methodist Conference held its meeting at uh, Conference of Bishops. The council met, and uh, the hot item on the agenda was gay marriage. The split between the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere was pronounced. What the bishops who came together from the northern hemisphere, namely from the United States, what they wanted was that they should allow each church, each local congregation, to decide for itself what it would do on the issue of gay marriage. 
each local congregation would be given the privilege of voting on this. And if a congregation voted conservative, so be it. And if a congregation voted liberal, so be it. But local churches would not interfere with each other. That's what the bishops in the Northern Hemisphere wanted. Those in the Southern Hemisphere did not want that at all. They argued, and argued very persuasively, that Methodism has been uh, controlled by a book called uh, The Discipline. That's what they call it, The Discipline. And all Methodist churches are expected to adhere to what is prescribed in The Discipline. Uh, Well, The Discipline uh, is what was the argument. Uh, Should The Discipline state categorically pro or cod, or the gay marriage thing. Well, the bishops in the Southern Hemisphere were of one mind and of one heart. They were opposed to gay marriage. Consequently, they were able to sway the Methodist Church to take a very, very strong, and may I say in some cases harsh, uh, positions against gay marriage. It marked of an important change in which the Southern Hemisphere, the Christians in Southern uh, countries like Latin America and Africa, were going to be defining what Christianity will be over the next hundred years at least. That seems to be the case because the conservatives won out. And uh, right now, if, if you are a Methodist bishop, uh, you are instructed to get the clergy in your area uh, to refrain from uh, anything to do with gay marriage. Now, the problem is there are already many gay men and women who are serving as pastors of these churches. They will have to either refrain from anything sexual henceforth into the future, or they will have to leave the church. My probability is that uh, they will be leaving the church. Many of them will probably move over and join the United Church of Christ. That's a denomination that formed here about 50 years ago, uh, largely members of the old congregational denomination, and uh, very liberal. They, uh, They would welcome these ministers. So I think we'll see a lot of ministers leaving the United Methodist Church in the United States and joining the United Church of Christ. Uh, This is going to be a shift, which uh, I think evangelicals in the Northern Hemisphere are going to welcome. They're going to say, good riddance, glad to see them leave. We've been fighting against these people for a long time. I'm glad our denomination finally has taken a stand that causes them either to say, we reject gay marriage or we're getting out of the denomination. That shift is dramatic, and that shift is very strong. There's a fear among evangelicals. Uh, the, uh, I just recently read an article by a John Fia who argues uh, that it's evangelicals and their fear that elected Donald Trump. They're afraid, and they wanted a strong president who would, in fact, impose their values on the general population. Well, it's happening. Uh, Donald Trump has made a strong 
Clay at the uh, military and said, uh, transsexuals no longer are allowed to serve in the U.S. military. That's the position. Well, that's, that's a new one. Uh, obviously, Barack Obama was a liberal on this issue. Uh, I don't think it will be long before he will put the screws on uh, gay men and uh, lesbian women serving in the military. Uh, the uh, people in these groups are saying, we're going backwards. We're losing our, our presence. We, we are being persecuted. Whether you like it or not, that's the way it goes. Whenever Donald Trump feels himself under threat, he has a rally uh, basically uh, with evangelical people. He, he acknowledges that they are his base. Where Whatever else other Republicans of his party will think, he knows that the evangelicals can be depended on to lend their support. I uh, recently looked over uh, the audience at a uh, pro-life rally that evangelicals staged in January. They did a, a photograph shot of the crowd. I was hard put to find any Asians, any African-American people, any people of color in that crowd. It was white evangelicals. Now, that's uh, interesting, isn't it? That they are his base and they are his support. You say, but are there enough of them to win the election? My answer is, I think there are. As a matter of fact, let me make a prediction right now. Uh, it's about a year and a half away from the time when America faces another election. I predict that Donald Trump is going to win. Let me give you the reasons. First of all, the stock market is higher than it's ever been. Uh, whatever you can say against Donald Trump, you would have to say he's been good for big business. You say, in what ways? Well, for one thing, he's uh, removed most of the restraints on polluting the atmosphere and polluting the water. He is the most anti-environmentalist candidate we've ever seen. Uh, big business hates all those environmental regulations because it makes the cost of production more expensive. Uh, they've argued uh, China doesn't put restraints on their businesses, on their industries. And they're spewing all kinds of filth into the air constantly. And uh, you say, well, that's China. And no, it doesn't make any difference because once it's in the atmosphere, it floats around the world. What they dump into the atmosphere in China eventually flows over here to the United States. And American business people were saying, why should we restrain our behavior when it comes to environmentalism when the Chinese are polluting the atmosphere at a rate that staggers the imagination? Any of you who have been to China know that in the capital city of Beijing, it's impossible to breathe. I mean... Uh, if you see people coming into your country from China, you'll see that most of them are wearing these masks, uh, face masks, because they're, they're so uh, used to trying to prevent breathing in the pollution that is in the atmosphere, and they assume the whole world is like Beijing. Well, big business is thriving under, uh, under Donald Trump. 
the stock market, as I said, has reached record highs. Um, I realized about two years ago that I had become rich. I didn't realize this. I sold my house. I bought an apartment in a retirement community, and I gave the rest of the money over to our investors, whatever you call these people who do financial planning, and I didn't pay any attention to it. And then one day, I happened to look at my investments, and lo and behold, under Donald Trump, they had soared to all-time highs. I was singing with Tevye and Fiddler on the Roof. I am a rich man. I am a rich man. And so I decided to give the money away, which is what Jesus tells the rich young ruler. Uh, go to the 10th chapter of Mark. Remember the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and says, what must I do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and mother. You know, it. young man says, I've observed these commandments since I was a kid. Jesus says, one thing you lack. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and take up the cross and follow me. Jesus lays down a heavy load on these guys. Sell what you have and give it to the poor. So I decided, being a red-letter Christian, that uh, I would do what the red letters of the Bible say. I would sell what I have. So I started giving the money away. Every month I came back and looked at my income and my holdings, and they were back where they were the the month before. I'd give away $50,000. The next month I'd recover the $50,000. I'd give another $50,000 away because according to the in, uh, you know laws, I... If you give more than that, you don't get any tax deduction. So I kept on giving away money, and lo and behold, uh, the stock market kept on going up, and I find myself still wealthy. Don't get me wrong. I'm still giving away the money because I really believe that uh, uh, there's nothing wrong with having a million dollars or earning a million dollars. There's something wrong with keeping it. I mean, why should I be rich when so many are poor? Shouldn't I share what I have with those who are less fortunate? Doesn't Jesus call upon people who are wealthy to use their wealth to help those who are less fortunate? I take all of that very seriously. But uh, the stock market is up. Let me give you this fact. Unemployment is at an all-time low here in the United States. It's down lower than 4% of the population. In all of my years as a sociologist, and I'm an old guy now, I can't remember when it was ever below 4%. Unemployment is down. You say, what about minority groups? Let me give it to you. Uh, African-American people are saying, you know, we have the lowest unemployment rate among our ethnic group than we've ever had. Uh, Donald Trump has not only been good for business, but he's created huge numbers of jobs for African-American people. Every month when the statistics come out on employment, we find that this guy has added another quarter of a million jobs to our labor force. Imagine that. Every month, a quarter of a million more jobs. How do you vote against that? Your income has gone up. The standard of living is going up. Uh, Salaries have gone up. If you own property, the value of your property has gone up. Get this. The gross national product of the United States has increased 3% in the last year. May I point out that it wasn't 30 years ago that we came anywhere near that. In short, America is producing more, has more people employed, 
as its people are getting rich, richer, and richer and richer. You say, but most of the wealth is accumulating in the upper two or one percent of the population. You're right. Huge amounts of money are moving into that group. But may I say, even the middle class is benefiting. There's been a major tax cut, and people are finding that there's more money in their paychecks. Are people going to vote against the economic viability of this presidency? I mean, in economic terms, things are going great. You say, what about his social policies? Let me break it to you, people. Evangelicals, for all of their talk about being non-materialistic, are very materialistic. And I think that economics will trump, I don't mean to be uh, playing a a pun there, but will trump social issues. Is the man a racist? Well, there's a lot of statements that he's made that would have to be taken as racist. When he referred to the Nazis at the Charlottesville mess uh, a year and a half ago, he said, well, there are good people in that group. Good people among the Nazis? Come on now. Uh, These are people that we're not calling Nazis. These are people who call themselves Nazis. Uh, They're good people. uh, That's not a good thing to hear. Uh, His... uh, his positions on women are scary. The, the way he talks about women are very sexist. It's appalling sometimes, some of the things he says. Now, there's this videotape, uh, which they showed on television, uh, talking about, uh, in which Trump himself is saying that he likes to grab women in, and he talks about, I'm not going to say it on the air, in places he likes to, uh, uh, well, touch women in places where uh, no man has a right to touch women. Uh, and he, he laughs at this. and makes a joke of this. And uh, you say, well, yeah, but uh, boys will be boys. As a matter of fact, he, he excused this as, quote, unquote, locker room talk. What an interesting phrase. Very interesting. Uh, basketball players in the NBA sent a letter of protest and said, we're in the locker room every other day. And we have to tell you, We don't talk like Donald Trump talks. His conversation is a much lower level than our talk. And so uh, people say, well, evangelicals, they're ready to ignore this uh, because, uh, of course, he he supports the evangelical agenda. And the evangelical agenda is anti-gay. It's uh, anti-transsexual. It tends to be male chauvinistic, and I could make a case for that easily. Uh, I mean, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, which is the largest seminary in the United States right now, uh, will not accept women in the uh, academic program that prepares people for being ministers. Uh, they do have a program, but you can, if you're a woman, but you can go into Christian education, you can work in Sunday schools, and you can work in youth groups, and uh, they even have a program where you can learn how to be a good housewife. I, I think learning how to cook and how to make beds and how to take care of a house is important. As a matter of fact, I myself have had to learn those things, even though I'm a married man. Let me stop just a moment and say I'm Tony Campolo. The name of the show is uh, From Across the Pond, so named because we put it together here in the United States of America and send it over to the uh, premier radio station over in London, and they put it all over the world. But uh, we promote red-letter Christianity. If you don't know what red-letter Christianity is about, it's easy to explain. 
in the United States, less so in other parts of the world. Large numbers of the Bible highlight the words of Jesus with red letters. And we are calling ourselves red-letter Christians because while our theology is evangelical, you say, what does that mean? It means we believe in the doctrines of the Apostles' Creed. It means we have a high view of Scripture. We believe that the Bible is no ordinary book, but the writers were imbued with the Holy Spirit, uh, the third member of the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit guided them in their writing. So they produced a book that is an infallible guide for faith and practice. And we believe that salvation comes not through our good works, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. His sacrifice on Calvary's tree is the basis of our salvation. So when I stand before the judgment seat, uh, I will say, Lord, don't condemn me. All my sins have been transferred from me to Jesus on the cross. I have been delivered from my sins because of his grace. We talk about salvation by grace, through faith, not of works lest any man should boast. But we don't want to call ourselves evangelicals anymore because the word evangelical has become associated with Donald Trump. And I have to be careful even there because it's basically white evangelicals who are associated with Donald Trump. Here in the United States, and I guess around the world, people of color who are evangelicals do not necessarily identify with Donald Trump, nor with the agenda that he is promoting. When he says, America first, we, red-letter Christians, say, that's not what Jesus talked about. Jesus said, it's not America first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what it's about. You say, well, isn't there? No, I always have the teachings of Jesus about the kingdom of God and the values that Jesus taught above the values of Americanism. And I always judge Americanism by what I find in those quote-unquote red letters of the Bible, namely in the teachings of Jesus. I have the criteria by which I judge the United States of America. So I'm a red-letter Christian. And if you want to find out about red-letter Christianity, please go to our website, website, redletterchristians.org. There's a place where you can sign on and say, I want to be identified as a red-letter Christian. Thousands have done that. Your church, your Christian organization can sign on as a, as a red-letter Christian organization. We want you to do that. We want you to take all of that seriously. Be red-letter Christians. Yeah, live out the teachings of Jesus. Live out what, in fact, has been prescribed in, the, in those red letters of the Bible. Evangelicals have always been a fearful people. Back in the, uh, the early 1900s, they were afraid of Darwinism. They were afraid that if uh, Darwin was taught in the public schools that it would destroy the moral fabric of the United States and of the world. Uh, if we taught Darwin and people saw themselves as animals, uh, they would behave like animals. Uh, they saw that Darwinism uh, was a threat to Christianity. Well, the reality is, that most evangelicals over the years, most conservative Christians, have come to terms with Darwin. I mean, there are some who still say uh, we are a people who take literally that the creation took six days, but most evangelical Christians are willing to say, no, uh, we believe that there were six stages of development, uh, that the evolution of the earth took six stages, but 
each of those days was a long period of time. Uh, as a matter of fact, the word day in the original language of Greek and Hebrew means era, period of time. You know, we say George Washington's day. We don't refer to a day, but a period of time. Well, we're coming near the end of the show, and I just got started on this issue of fear. So uh, I'm going to pick this up on a next program because there's a lot of things we're afraid of. And I think we need to deal with fear because recently in New Zealand, there was a horrible event. New Zealand, who I could, which I considered to be the most peaceful country on the face of the earth, uh, had some extremists go into a mosque and kill 49 people and put another 49 in the hospital with serious wounds. And they were afraid of Islam. So I want to talk about the fears that infest the evangelical community. I believe the evangelical people have the right theology. I want to affirm that. That's where I am. But there are values that have emerged there that scare me. Well, we'll pick this up at another time. At this point, let me just say thank you for listening. And I want you coming back next week when on Premier Radio, we will be once again talking about Red Letter Christianity and how you can be a part of this new movement that affirms Orthodox Christianity but has progressive values. Thanks for listening.